0: Hi, everybody. Today, I'm speaking with Gio. Gio wants to be closer to his father, but it's proven difficult to get past cordial greetings and light check-ins. Gio doesn't know much about his dad, his life back in El Salvador, his extended family, or what it was like for him to come to the U.S., and whenever he's tried to learn more, his dad can't seem to open up. Let's get into it.
1: My name is Giovanni Rodriguez. I'm 28 years of age and I am a CPA working in an accounting firm. I am an auditor and I prepare financial statements for a living. And growing up, I called my dad, dad, and I called my mom, mommy. So with my mom I was I was her boy. I I talked to her about pretty much anything except guy stuff. Um my dad on the other hand, I never really opened up to him and he never really opened up to me. And we've tried in the past to talk or whatever, but it never we never really gelled, I guess, for lack of a better term. But me and my dad are very similar. We're both hard-headed. We're both we can be stubborn he has a very specific way of going about thinking of things. I have my own ways of thinking about things. I never really told him about any any milestones growing up. Um, to be very honest, I had an extremely difficult time talking to women. Um, I don't know if that. I never had a girlfriend growing up, so I never told them about something like that, nor would I ever tell them about any feelings that I had. If I couldn't even talk to him and say hi or, you know, have a conversation with him, I wasn't going to tell him about any of these things. And then puberty, I learned everything through friends and through Googling things, but never through my dad, unfortunately. I always felt like if I told my father any of these things, he would judge me. I would be doing something wrong. I would be I need to be doing things better. I need to, if I'm inside playing games, I should be outside doing something. If I'm spending too much time outside, I should be inside studying. It should, it's, it, I felt like it was never enough for him. So at a young age, I never, he never, he never praised me for anything that I would do. Um, he would expect me to do well, and that was sort of the expectation. Whenever my father would hit a milestone in his life or get a promotion or whatever, whatever that may be, he wouldn't tell us these sort of things, and I would kind of learn back end through my mom. My mom would tell me about these promotions or even simpler things like how he grew up, how he was raised, things like that. My father was in, was about twenty during the, the civil war in Esau, so was my mom, they're both about the same age. They talk about that era, um, Not. it's hard to say because right around that time, they left to the States. And that's probably why they left to the States. But they don't exactly go into details. The most that I've heard my mom say about that era is that she said it was scary, very scary. This is from my mom's point of view, I don't know my dad's point of view. And I've always kind of been scared to ask, honestly, to not have to open up that Pandora's box. I'd like my relationship with my father to be basically the same as my mother. I mean, I know he cares a lot. And I know that he loves me, but he doesn't show it. He doesn't, I guess it's a very machista sort of thing, or I I don't know what it is exactly, but I've always wanted that same care and, you know, thoughtfulness from my father that I got from my mother. And in a way, I also understand him because he, growing up, he didn't have a father. And I'm very grateful that he supports and he's always been there. But I've always also missed the fact that I've never been able to speak to him, not even son to son, just person to person.
0: So at this point in the conversation, I asked Gio if he ever thought that maybe he's putting all the responsibility of creating a nurturing relationship between them solely on his dad.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I can see how I would put the nurturing side um, on him. So lately I've tried to talk to him. I've tried to be more open with him, tried to, you know, delve in a bit more. And I will say... One thing, um, I moved out in 2015, and when I moved out from his home, I was able to speak to him a lot more clearly, much more openly. It was almost night and day. It was extremely surprising. Um, And I moved back largely in part because of him and something that was going on with him. And in that time, me and my brother have tried to talk to him more, tried to open up more. Um, but there's little things that he says. There's little things that he does. It's it's still very much we're not up to par with what his expectations are. I <sighs> right, we've we've tried, and obviously I I, I want to move up because it's time again, but more than anything. The reason that I'm doing it, if I'm being very honest with myself, is to try and rekindle something with him as well. Hi,
0: Juleka here, stopping by to tell you about Time Storm. Time Storm is a high adventure podcast for the whole family. When the Ventura twins are yanked into another dimension, they meet a distant cousin who gives them an extraordinary mission to travel through time to witness Puerto Rico's history. They visit three continents across the span of five centuries. But in their own timeline, the twins must navigate school, friendships, and family, all while keeping their time-traveling quests a secret. You can join the twins, Alex and Benny, as they travel in time anywhere Where you find your favorite podcast or at Timestormseries.com. Timestorm is a part of Tracks from PRX.
1: What's up, everybody? I'm Steve Ott Lewis, a licensed psychotherapist and host of How to Talk to High Achievers About Anything. I'm excited to share big news. How to Talk to High Achievers About Anything is back. This time I'll be joined by a very special person, someone whose name you know very well.
0: Hi, everybody. I'm Julie Calantigua, founder of LWC Studios.
1: Welcome, Jaleika.
0: I'm so excited. And by the way, I'll be taking notes. So many notes.
1: As always, on the show, we get to hear stories from Black and Brown folks who are out there doing great and amazing things. Then I do my thing of offering some feedback and strategies to help us navigate personal and professional challenges. Together, we'll figure out how to achieve on our own terms.
0: Subscribe to or follow How to Talk to High Achievers about anything everywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow the show at TalkToAchievers. Hi, everybody. I'm Julie Calantigua, the creator and executive producer of How to Talk to High Achievers About Anything. And I'd like to invite you to be a guest on the show. Every episode, we talk to Black and brown folks striving to do big things and looking for ways to level up. Licensed psychotherapist Stevan Lewis offers feedback about aspirational challenges we all face, things like imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and especially how we define success. We'd love to hear about your triumphs and where you still trip up sometimes. Send our producer, Virginia, an email so she can get your story on the show. She's at Virginia at LWCstudios.com. Honestly, There was so much I wanted to understand in the dynamic between Gio and his dad. What father figure was Gio comparing his father to? What prevented them from sharing more about their lives as adults? How did Gio come to expect that his father should be the most responsible for their relationship, again, as adults? So many questions. So I had to call in an expert.
2: My name is William Perez. I'm a professor in the School of Education at Loyola Marymount University. And I am a migration and education scholar uh, who writes and conducts research about the immigrant youth experience in the United States.
0: So you heard Gio's story. What did you hear?
2: What stood out uh, to me was, I think the contrast between the two cultural models of parent-child relationships. His father has a, a particular notion about how parents you know relate to their children in terms of you know emotional expression and uh, you know the, the kinds of things that that demonstrate that bond and his son you know has a has a slightly different version of that and to me, that spoke to the very different experiences, the socializing experiences that they had you know his father growing up in the country where those norms, those cultural practices are different from from American uh, sort of cultural norms. Mm.
0: So does your research give us some sense of why that difference happens between them?
2: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there's a a lot of the research that looks at sort of the the developmental pathways for uh, youth from immigrant households. So this includes youth that were themselves born outside of the United States, and youth that were born in the United States, but are children of immigrants, you know, so their parents and grandparents were born abroad. Um, what it shows, and, and particularly for youth whose families are from Latin American origins, the way in which parents express their their love, and especially fathers, uh, you know, there is a, a gender dynamic here, you know, and, 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 and Gio, I think, highlights that dynamic. You know, he says, you know, my mom is much more loving and, and expresses sort of that emotional bond you know, very clearly and explicitly um, compared to his father. Um, and, and that speaks to kind of the, the gender kind of layer of this in, in that, you know, in Latin American cultures and in, in Asian cultures and other cultures around the world, the way in which fathers express, you know, that bond, that affection for their children, you know, is by providing for the family, you know, by working hard, monitoring their behavior. So, you know, kind of discipline and, that the emphasis isn't on the emotional expression, but rather on, you know, being the provider. And so there, you know, there isn't a lot of, you know, uh, investment necessarily in, um, you know, kind of nurturing that emotional bond. But what we do know about immigrants uh, when they go from country A to country B is that as soon as they arrive, they begin to acculturate. Uh, and so I heard a little bit of that story towards the end where he said, you know, we now, you know, that, that I'm older and you know he's in his late 20s now, you know, things have started to change. And to me, that speaks to the acculturation process for his father, you know, his father he kind of acculturated to kind of uh, sort of more typical American norms about uh, parental expression of affection, particularly, you know, uh, fatherly expression of affection.
0: So let's dig a little bit deeper into that because I think part of this is that Maybe the first gens, especially folks who have not had the opportunity to travel back and forth to their parents' home country, might not have the context, might not have the cultural competency to understand why their parents behave in a, in a particular way. So what are some of the key things that, let's say, people who are slightly younger than Gio, maybe people who are about to go off to college or in college or in high school who are starting to notice the dynamics between them and who want to improve the dynamics between them and their parents, what are some of the key things that they should know to better understand why their parents are, are they where they are in terms of this particular part of their relationship?
2: Yeah, okay. no, that's, that's a great question. I mean, one of the things that, you yeah. know, that I and other scholars who, who study this uh, emphasize is the importance of you know, biculturalism. If you provide kind of the opportunities for young people to develop a bicultural orientation, then they have the ability to you know, look at the relationship with their parents through that lens and understanding that you know, they might have particular notions about what that relationship uh, should look like and the dynamics of it. But that understanding at the same time that their parents might have a, a different one based on their socializing experience with that insight You can find a common ground that can facilitate the process of, you know, acculturation on both sides, acculturation of the parents to, you know, to kind of be more open to, you know, kind of new ways of relating to their children emotionally and, you know, and and otherwise. Uh, And children being much more understanding and perhaps patient with their parents as they, you know, try on a, a new way to engage in this you know, parent-child relationship. Mm. And so, you know, and so for for kids that, that are, have the opportunity to go to their countries of origin and visit family during, you know, summer breaks, vacations, those experiences nurture that kind of orientation. And they begin to m- make these connections and understand, oh, you know, all this time I resented my parents for, you know, not being more like, you know, my, my friend's parents, but now I understand why. Now I see where they're coming from. And with that insight, they can then begin to find ways to build a kind of relationship that they, you know, that, that they find, you know, gratifying.
0: I want to talk to you specifically about the role of trauma, because in many instances, parents who have come to the U.S. have come fleeing either civil war or, um, you know, famine or, you know, a huge economic downturn, or gang violence, drug-related violence. In Geo's case, the civil war in El Salvador. And so I wanted to ask you about what your research says about the role of trauma and traumatic experiences of the parents impacting their relationship with their first-generation American-born children.
2: Right. And I mean, and that's, that's a great question, because in the case of Central American migrants, you know, uh, during the armed conflict, so folks that immigrated from, you know, starting in the 19, late 1970s all the way up to the mid-1990s, they were, you know, affected in very profound ways by, you know, the trauma that they were fleeing from. I mean, there's a whole generation of, you know, both men and women, mothers and fathers, mm-hmm. who, you know, the trauma really impacted it in, in a very, you know, profound negative way, those bonds that they had with their loved ones, you know, parents and siblings. Um, And that trauma then certainly has an effect in the way that that those individuals are able to develop some of those bonds with their children.
0: Okay. So in light of all of this, um, first, the need to establish, you know, a cultural context for their parents' experiences, and then obviously a need to respect I guess would be the word, or at least acknowledge that there is a reason for the difference in approaches. What else would you recommend for first generations who are grappling with what they're perceiving as, as distance, um, when it comes to their
2: parents? I mean, at the end of the day is, is that being able to talk to each other, but again, you know, if, if that's not, that's not a habit, if that's not something that's been modeled to you, it's not, if that's something that you don't see as an example of other families around you, then, you know, it's not going to happen on its own. But One of the things that I particularly appreciated in studying this topic is that, you know, at the community level, you know, there's there's been a variety of efforts and, you know, there's this whole field of community-based psychology, you know, creating opportunities for immigrant families to come together to to have a structured dialogue to learn about these, you know, cultural differences that may exist, but also, you know, and especially, you know, in in light of the um, unaccompanied m- uh, minor phenomena that we've seen in recent years, um, a focus that includes also the role of trauma. Sometimes they've been referred to as healing circles, um, and they're really kind of these, you know, kind of structured peer counseling almost conversations where you know, that topic is engaged to facilitate this kind of rekindling of parent-child bonds. Uh, you know, if, if trauma somehow has undermined parents' ability to develop emotional bonds with their children, so to talk about, you know, their immigrant experience, coming to the U.S., adapting to a new language, new culture, new way of, of doing things, new lifestyle. As Gio mentioned, you know, we, we never talk about the war, right? It's, it's, it's this taboo subject. But oftentimes, when done in those structured ways, the discussion of taboo subjects, you know, even there are circumstances where even fathers find it very difficult to tell their sons, you know, I love you, or, you know, you're my whole reason for uh, coming to the United States and taking a risk and, and providing an opportunity for, you know, for your future success. These healing circles, you know, provide sort of that structure, that safe space to be able to do that and, and to, to demystify, you know, kind of the misconceptions that parents and children might have about each other.
0: All right, Will, thank you so, so much for coming on and sharing all this wisdom with us.
2: My pleasure, happy to talk with you.
0: All right, let's recap what we learned from Will. Use your bicultural powers. Understand you may be looking at a situation with a different lens than your parents. How we, first gens and second gens and third gens, show emotion, how we respond and engage with others, it's all based on completely different cultural norms. So be mindful, because we can easily misread our parents' behavior, emotions, and intentions. Be patient. As parents become Americanized themselves, it may become easier to engage with us as their grown children. But it might take a few beats before everyone finds a good stride. And remember, there's help. Healing circles, peer support groups, Facebook groups, and other spaces for inspiration and support. There's probably a few apps too. Thank you so much for listening and for sharing us. How to Talk to mommy and Papi About Anything is an original production of Lantigua Williams & Co. Virginia Lora produced this episode. Michael Castañeda mixed it. Micaela Rodriguez is our founding producer and social media editor. Cedric Wilson is our lead producer. I'm the show's creator, Juleika Lantigua Williams. On Twitter and Instagram, we're at Talk to Mommy Papi. Please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Bye, everybody. Same place next week.